And welcome to episode 47 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. For all of you in Canada, I hope you had a good uh, Thanksgiving uh, weekend with your family and friends. And a, and and a Columbus else. Day for Americans. Yes. Uh, big day for us because we're previewing the Western Conference. We previewed the East last week. Um, Western Conference uh, is this week. We also have a bunch of pending suspensions and signings and Oh, the waiver claims have just lit up like a Christmas tree right now. So uh, we're going to tackle uh, as much of that as we can. Also, a former first overall pick. Yes, another former first overall pick of the Edmonton Oilers is on the move. Uh, you probably heard of that by now. They also have a new captain. We'll talk about that as well, uh, amongst other things. Uh, first of all, quick shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 47 in the NHL. Uh, some of these names are no-brainers. Others, quite surprising. Marc-Andre Bergeron, of course, wore number 47. Simone Depre in his time in Pittsburgh, wore that number as well. Um, John Graham, a former goalie of the Lightning, wore number 47 for a time. Mike Green did as well. Uh, no, there's actually a forward named Mike Green, not the defenseman. Uh, this Mike Green, I think, played for the Rangers at the time when he wore number 47, so it's not the same Mike Green. Uh, Stefan LeBeau had a couple of big seasons, uh, I believe uh, either with Montreal or, or Quebec, but um, way before my time, I will say that. But still, regardless, put up some big numbers. Claude Lapointe, Victor Kozlov, Trent Hunter, some former NHLers, Laslav Nagy, of course, Rich Peverley, uh, Rich Pilon, uh, played with the Islanders, Rich Pilon did. Not known for his scoring presence, he actually hit the triple-digit mark in penalty minutes almost every season he played. Uh, but still... Um, War number 47 for a very long time, so I included him in this list. Um, Modern-day defenseman Tory Crew, Campus Lindholm, Andy McDonald, uh, war number 47. Uh, Leo Komarov, Alexander Radulov, um, also war number 47. And how about this? J.S. Jaguar, hmm. before he played with the Anaheim Ducks, he wore number 47. Before anyone knew who he was, he wore number 47. Uh, a bit with the Flames... Uh, maybe a bit with the Ducks, but that was probably for a short time. So to all of the NHLers past and present who have worn number 47 in their NHL careers, this podcast is for you. Here's Brett and Steve. Um, Alright, yeah, let's uh, let's get going. Um, when you say 47, I always think of uh, Tory Krug, just because I yeah. see him all the time now. Yeah. But um, Let's see here. Uh, I guess we can get going on the Western Conference preview right now. Uh, we did the Eastern Conference last week. Um, yeah. Yeah, so top three, so let's start with the top three in the Central Division. Um, I don't know, do you want to go first? or I feel like this yes, is the toughest yeah, one sure, to I'll, predict. I'll go first. Um, yeah. yeah, I call this the AL East Division of Hockey. The <laughs> AL East, probably the toughest division in all of Major League Baseball. I think this yeah. is probably the perfect way to sum up this division in hockey. Um, this division won't go to the Chicago Blackhawks this year. I mean... 
they're 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 good. They're not going to be first place every year. They weren't first place last year, but they're still that franchise that everyone sets the bar to uh, build the strongest team possible to beat Chicago. Um, kind of like the U.S. saying, build the best team possible to beat Canada. But um, yeah, Chicago is that good. They've been consistently good. They have the same group of centerpieces. They still have a guy named Joe Quenville behind the bench. Uh, they'll be contenders to win. I don't think they're going to win it. Um, their bottom six, the rest of their depth guys, they continue to improve. They might have a shot. Uh, I just don't see that happening um, this year compared to previous years. Um, but, again, Chicago is that kind of a team. It doesn't matter where they finish. Come the playoffs, if they're in, they are probably the toughest team to knock off. And, um uh, again, they're really going to set the standard uh, in this division for years to come. Um, I think they're going to finish second in the division this year, though. Um, Colorado, they re-signed McKinnon and Barry, continue to keep the studs that they have. Significant defensive help. I don't see it anywhere. That will probably hinder them once again. Barlamov was inconsistent last year. His days will be numbered if that continues this year. So for Colorado, I have them finishing dead last in the division, actually. Hmm. Um, you don't. I guess you don't think the coach will be uh, better. There my like. I, I think it's got more to do with the guys on the team and and their flaws as a team than the coach. But okay. you know what? I've been wrong before, so yeah. I'm uh, I'm sure Colorado fans are, are hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, Dallas Stars. They lost Alex Goligosi. They lost oh, we're going Chris through Russell. each team. I thought we were, you were just picking. Yeah, yeah. Up. I, I'm going through team just quickly. Well, I Goligos, thought we well. We should just do the top three. And then we'll we'll go through each. Okay, team. well, I'll, I'll tell you, Dallas will be a top three team. Okay. They're not going to win the division like they did last year yeah. because Oligoski and Russell, um, they're gone. All they brought was Dan Hamuse, yeah. which it, it's decent, but if it's Dan Hamuse and John Klingberg and and Stephen Johns, if that's all you have, right. um, that's. And That's not really experienced shutdown defense. Their goaltending isn't experience. Uh, it's experience, but I, I still don't rely on them to carry this team. So they'll be a third place team in this division. They won't finish first. Nashville is my first place team. Okay. I have in the Central this year because they still have the same guys, pretty much minus Shea Weber. They still have a good team. Um, Last year, they forced Plus the Sharks to game seven in the second round, got pl- outplayed and eliminated. So you yeah. can be sure this group is going to be motivated to prove themselves. Ryan Johansson, I expect more from him. Motivated P.K. Subban, especially after his tenure in Montreal ended. Mm-hmm. I expect Roman Yossi to make a statement, as I explained in previous episodes. I don't see why this team can't finish first this year. So Nashville, Chicago, and Dallas, first, second, and third in that order. Uh, Minnesota and St. Louis, I have as wild card contenders. Um, Winnipeg under Patrick Laney, they're they're going to be slightly better, but not a playoff team. Um, by the way, it looks like you're speaking like directly into the mic. Is there like a I don't know? If I, is this better? Yeah, yeah that's better. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, My placement is a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't. It's okay. I just like started to notice it, and now it's like oh. <laughs> Is this how our episodes have been going forever? All right. So who's your top three? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, mine's kind of similar to yours. I'd say I think Chicago, Dallas, and Nashville 
are all going to be in the top three. Chicago, like you said, they have the experience. I don't think that's going to change. They didn't really When you won three Stanley Cups, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you get should the have ben- enough to win a division. Exactly. You get the benefit of the doubt for that. Um, yep. And then, yeah, Dallas. the Dallas's defense and goalie situation does worry me. Um, especially since we don't know, and we also don't know the health of Sagan or Ben, but I think they'll be, um, they'll still be contenders though, because they have a strong enough forward group for that. Um, and then Nashville, uh, like you said, even though they minus Shea Weber, I think the addition of PK Subban on that team will be a tremendous increase in their, uh, success. Uh, this year, especially like, I think they're going to develop a yeah. bit more of a swagger than they have. Exactly. I think they're more calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, yeah. I think. And I think. Yeah, I think it's be... going to be a not really a loud, boisterous confidence, but yeah. I, I think you're going to see a lot more smiles and, and, and less serious faces yeah. on the Predators. And I and think ex- if you have fun, you tend to win more a little. Bit. Especially when you have guys like Pigay Subban, who has a chip on his shoulder from what happened in Montreal. You have James mm-hmm. Neal with what happened in Pittsburgh. You have uh, Philip Forsberg, who has a chip on his shoulder for what happened with uh, the Capitals. You know, these are all guys who have chips on their shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Johansson with Columbus. So um, even even the coach with Laviolette with uh, how it went down in the fly, with the Flyers. So um, mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, I know it's like a psychological thing, but I think that will have a play into it where they're like, they're just going to be motivated to prove those teams wrong. Now, uh, um, an interesting thing that I it just dawned on me: now that PK Subban's out of Montreal, is he going to develop a new kind of handshake with Pecorine? Uh, that'd be funny. Games? I I don't know. Pro- I don't think possibly. he'll steal the same one he had with Price because I think yeah. that would be kind of just a low blow there. But. That'd be funny, but. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Pekka Rene doesn't strike me as the same kind of personality yeah, as Terry Price, so I don't know fair. if they'll yeah. uh, be like that. But, um, but so I do like that so team. So, what? What? Yeah. Uh, I know you so, mentioned those three. Your yeah, top those three, three teams. Who, who's and your then top I think, uh, and then I just want to mention quickly that I think. Well, I guess I'll do, I'll list the three right now. I yeah. think huh. I think Nashville will get the first spot. Um, I would say Chicago will get the second, and Dallas will probably get the third. Um, However, the only only time this episode we're going to be identically right with everything. Exactly, yeah. Um, However, I will say that I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota or St. Louis or Colorado gets that third spot. Um, You don't think Winnipeg could? I think Winnipeg could. I still think they're pretty young right now. Um, yeah. I'll talk about them in a bit. I think they'll they'll be a surprise team in a way, but I don't know if they'll be um, they'll be ready to take that spot. But I think all four of those teams that I didn't mention: Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Winnipeg. I think they'll all like um, uh, be uh, in wild card contention. Um, I think they'll both they'll get, the Central will get both wild card spots. Um, I think that's pretty safe to say, um, but uh, yeah, I think I think Winnipeg. I think of the f- of those four teams, I think Minnesota and uh, St. Louis have the best chance of making the wild card. 
Yeah. Um, Minnesota, because they have Bruce Boudreau now, um, he, always, he always makes sure their team's in the playoffs. It's just what he does in the playoffs is the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then St. Louis, I mean, they still have a pretty good defense stuff, and I know they lost Brower and David Backus, but they weren't that big of a – they didn't have that much of an effect – on their team last year, and they still made the playoffs. So, and also and now they that, went to the Western Conference yeah. Finals compared to previous years, where they were yeah. first round knockouts. Exactly, and now they have Neil Yagapov, who uh, should help them um, in their forward depth, which is what we'll they talk just, more and, about that. Which we'll, which we'll talk more about later. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, I don't know. I, yeah. Um, but and then I think I think Colorado um, will probably be good too. Um, it just depends on how good this coach is of Jared Bednar, um, and that's the same with Winnipeg. We don't know. Um, they could be a disaster, or they could be like a breath of fresh air with all these young guys that are going to be there. So we'll see. Um, all right. Um, I actually have some new. I guess there is some news that just came through, but I'll wait for that in the rapid fire. Um, it has to do with Crosby. Um, um, if you, I guess I'll just say it now. Crosby is just diagnosed with a concussion. Um, again. Um, yeah. Do, do they have a timetable or? Uh, they don't because it just came out. But wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll I'm talk sure about... a lot of people who picked him first overall aren't too happy about that. Exactly. That's that. And this is probably this is like his third concussion ever, I think. Well, he's been right? he's been able to avoid them uh, over the last couple of years, but just but then he just, he had one the, earlier like, in his career. Crosby concussion in the same yeah. sense. You're just like, oh no, here we go again. Exactly. That's why it's sad. Um. And then, um, all right, let's go to the Pacific, though. Yeah. Um, the, um, I guess I'll go first since you went first yeah, the last time. Yeah, Um, I think this is, I always think of this as, like, the California teams, the Western Canadian teams, and then Arizona. Um, <laughs> which I guess it, it's true. It's, <laughs> that is how you describe this division. Um, so the, um... Yeah, speaking of which, all the California teams seem to be good. All the um, all the Western Canadian teams aren't great. Um, and, and then you have Arizona, which is like, who knows? Um, so, for Anaheim, I'm not sure. Um, it's tough because I know they have the talent to make the playoffs, but, I, but with a Carlisle, um, I'm not sure. It depends on if he's learned from what happened in Toronto. I know that he's been in the system of Anaheim for a while now, so um, it depends on if he's like learned. Like, and I know that the players wanted him, so maybe that has an effect on stuff. But it depends on because I know that Carlisle wasn't a good coach in Toronto, um, but so maybe we're overestimating how much that affects it, but at the same time, um, 
we don't know if he can like rally the guys like he did mm-hmm. for that like Boudreaux did. So I'm gonna put well, them. Yeah, and what's also interesting is because yeah. you know they have guys like Perry and Getzlaff who right. are still there when Carlisle you know last coach. But right. other than that, you don't. The guys on the team really have don't know the system to Randy yeah. Carlisle's game plan. Yeah, uh, and, and they're gonna have to rely on Getzlaff. They're gonna have to rely on Getzlaff and Perry to like really help Carlisle yeah. into like saying like, you know, this system works. This is what we want kind of thing. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, if the team starts to tr- struggle, you don't, and your goalie starts to struggle, John Gibson, he's your go-to guy. Right. You don't really have a solid plan B like a Frederick Anderson anymore. Well, yeah, Vernier, but yeah, but. <laughs> well, yeah, Vernier, but you know. But yeah, no, you're right. But like, um, but also to be fair, your defense, the defense in Anaheim right now is better than the defense that Toronto had. So it is slightly better, but it's still... So tentatively, I'm going to put Anaheim at third just because I feel like the Pacific is so bad. That's uh, where I have them too, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the Sharks are going to be first in the first... are going to be first in the division... Um, I don't see, because they made the Stanley Cup Finals last year, I don't see why that would change differently. Um, they have pretty much the same team. Uh, Pavileski, uh, Burns, uh, Couture, Thornton, Marlowe, I think those are, um, and, you know, all those guys. So, yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't um, change. Um, so their first... Um, I guess I'm like, I'm tempted to put like Edmonton or Calgary in here, but I'm going to have to say LA, um, just, uh, just because of experience, like the Blackhawks, they, uh, they know what they're doing. Um, like Sutter's probably the best coach in the national hockey league. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a California Sweep again. Um, and then it just quickly, I'll just say that I think Edmonton, Calgary, and Arizona will all be better this year. Um, I don't think Vancouver is going to be great. Although I do love their move of Louis Erickson. I don't know if they'll, they're, um, I think they're headed in the wrong direction though. Um, so yeah. Um, top three for me, like you said, Anaheim, he, they're my third choice. Yeah, uh, again, getting used to Carlisle's system again, mm-hmm. really a different uh, group that he has to work with besides Getzlav and Perry. You know, they're all really new to his system. Gibson, if he struggles, you know, you have Bernier, which is, you know, a decent backup. But, you know, if, if it's long term, I don't really know how the Ducks are going to do with him in the net. Um, and also Lindholm and Raquel are both not re-signed yet. Right. So however long that drags on for, I think that might affect them to a certain extent. Yes. So I have them finishing third. Um, again, LA Kings, they have that pedigree like the Blackhawks. Um, I think they have what it takes to win the division yet again. Okay. San Jose is going to be a solid second, though. I, I think they have the same group. Yeah, they lost Demers and Reimer, but it again, those are those are minor losses that I think they'll be able to to get by with. They still have Vlasic, they still Wait, have Martin on the back end. They never had Demers. Hmm? They never had Demers. Did they? Oh no. Yeah, he, he was with Dallas. Stars, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Well, they they did have him at one point, and then they, they traded him, him for point. Brandon yeah. Dillon. That's but true. that was That's a few true. years ago. That was a few okay, years never ago. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> but they they did have Reimer, and they and then and then he he um he got lost in the shuffle, and he signed with Florida. So yeah. Um. But but yeah. That again, Martin Jones. They don't really have a solid backup for him just yet. You know, a, a fairly young, unproven backup in this league. So. That that maybe is the only concern that I point to is how much you lean on Martin Jones, but you know that he can play sixty or seventy games for you in a season, which is right. good, uh, and I think that helps their chances of finishing in the top three. So L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim again, California sweep in that order is where they finish first to third. Calgary and Edmonton. Calgary is going to be a sol- a very silent wild card contender. Edmonton, I, I, they're not going to get a top three pick. I don't know if they're going to be a wild card contender, but they're going to be better. Uh, Arizona and Vancouver, I think either one of them could finish dead last in the conference. I think Arizona will. Um, but I, I expect I expect um, one of those stepping stone kind of years like Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg. I expect a stepping stone kind of year, like setting the stage for the next year and the year after that and the year after that. Kind of slowly getting that hunger for success and winning and and the young guys coming up i think that allows them to do that and the the stuff they're able to do in the off season and more recently this week which we'll talk about in rapid fire as well they made another key signing but i i think arizona is in the right direction and i think with mike smith as their goalie People forget that Mike Smith uh, was unreal a couple of years ago until he got hurt. They're probably going to make the playoffs if he didn't get hurt, uh, in my opinion. And then when, in 2012, I believe it was, when they made that run to the conference finals, he was a big part of that. And I think people forget just how good Mike Smith can be if he's on his game. So um, I'm not sure what to expect of, of Arizona this year record-wise. Uh, they'll probably finish dead last in the West, but I expect – um, a, a bit more progress and 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 they have the right guy as well behind the bench too. Vancouver, I think, is probably going to have a Toronto Maple Leafs kind of year. They'll 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 be the House of Pain team this year. Um, I don't think Louis Erickson is going to live up to the dollar signs they're paying him early on. Yeah, and I think Ryan Miller is also going to get dealt by the deadline because he's on the final year of his deal and. Here is probably the worst part that Vancouver fans don't want me to say it. Both the Sedin twins will be shipped out by the deadline or by draft day. Because both have two years, I believe, left on their current deal. Both have no movement clauses. Um, It'll be tough to put them both on the same team. But the more (laughs) you let time tick away, the less value you're going to get for the the Sedins. And they can't let them walk for nothing. Well, both Sedins have a no movement clause at the moment, but well, yeah. So they they have you know it'll be a strict if, probably playoff contender. I I agree. I think gonna, there are there are going to be teams that will pay good money and a good price to get the Sedins. I agree. I think it will it will be. Um, I agree. I think this is what the Canucks should do, but I don't think this is what they will do from a logistics standpoint. Also, I think uh, Erickson, Louis Erickson pretty much joined the Canucks just because he wanted to play with the Sedins. So, um, I don't know. I think that line's going to be good, but I think the rest of the lines, the rest of the team's just not <laughs> going to be good. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Vancouver is probably going to be last in that division. Um, if it's not Edmonton, um, we'll see. Yeah, I don't see yeah. Edmonton finishing last. I think I think you're going to see some progress with the uh, with the group. That I they hope, have. but you never know with this with Edmonton. Um, so yeah, if they if know. they if they continue to lose uh, blow a uh, uh, one goal leads late in the third and exactly. lose, yeah, that definitely won't help their cause. They need to get better <laughs> in that department. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, McDavid should be good. Um, I'm not like. I'm trying not to like overhype McDavid. It feels like a, a lot of people are overhyping him, but uh, you still need defense. And who knows well, if yeah, the, the you know? Is, who knows if we still don't know if Cam Talbot or Adam Larson are that guy to like to put them over the hump. Um, so we'll see. But, I don't yeah. know if it's if it's a matter of can they be that guy. It's um, are is the rest of the group behind them ready to step up? I don't think Darnell Nurse is ready yeah. to step up. I think he's going to show more signs of progress, but he's not ready to be that guy you want him to be just yet. True. And, you know, they don't really have much depth beyond that, yeah. too. They still True. are very young and inexperienced defensively, and, and, and they aren't going to be a playoff team until um, – you know, they, they get more experience until they win those close games yep. and play shutdown defense. Yeah. Um, so for wildcard teams, um, I'm going to say I think the Wild and the Avalanche are going to be the two wildcard teams with the Blues, the Flames, and the Oilers um, close by. I agree that the Blues will not make the playoffs. I think they lost too much of their character in David Backus, and I know we just finished saying know uh, if, about ten minutes yeah. ago that that you know, you know what character did they really bring? I just I just think they're going to lose their way a little bit, and I think uh, I don't that, know that, that yeah. Allen Hart, Hutton tandem. It's 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 all right, right. but it's it, you don't have a solid. Other well, number one in Brian Elliott. That's true. Well, that's why I that's why I kind of like the Flames. It's because they definitely have their defense. They definitely have the goalie. Um, you know, Elliott is just, um, you know, uh, can their coach be good? Is their coach going to be good? Is there, you know, they definitely have the talent in forwards too. It's just, um, who knows? They just need to them. put everything yeah. together. They just need to put everything together. Um, but yeah, their as, special teams as well was as, was absolute. Oh, it was it was terrible last yeah, year. Yeah. And, as for the Blues, and they need to yeah. improve on that for sure. As special for, teams killed them. As for the Blues, I'd say I think yeah. I don't know. Like I feel like at towards the end of or just last year, I don't know if Backus. I know he was the captain and all, but I don't know if he did too much because he didn't seem to be like that effective for them. So I would say it's like, it was basically Tarasenko's team anyways. Um, and Brower was only there for one year. Um, so I think for me, the the blues main issue to me is their forward depth. I don't know if it's that great to begin with. Yeah. Um, it depends on six, you know. especially. So I do like that move. We'll get to it in a second, but I do yeah. like that move of Yakupov. But, you know, who knows if he's going to 
pan out exactly to what they want. So I think it's on my know. concern is what happens with Kevin Shattenkirk because right. he's entering the final year of his That's deal true. for years. We've been saying he's on the move, you know, right. trade talks, you know, he's probably going to go to a team like the Rangers or Flyers who need a blue liner and yeah, yeah. get a big return for him. The time is ticking. I don't think they're going to resign him. They're choosing to sign other guys to long-term deals. He's still not resigned. And it, you know, if he gets traded, I assume he will at some point during the season because they'd be nuts to let him walk away for nothing, get something for him. Yeah. If he does get traded, how does it affect your team? Right. And how much does it affect your team in a positive or a negative way? And I think that will also kind of result in them missing the playoffs. I don't think it'll be by much, but I think they'll miss the playoffs. Yeah. So who are your wildcard teams? Minnesota, and, and you're going to think I'm crazy by suggesting this, Minnesota and Calgary are my two wildcard okay. teams. Actually, that's not surprising. I thought you were going to go with Edmonton. But no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Calgary's not that surprising. But, no. Yeah, yeah. No, Cal- Calgary, again, I think they're going to put the pieces together. I think they learned a lot from last year, and yeah. they've got a legit number one in Brian Elliott. Yeah, not as crazy as my uh, Buffalo. Yeah, not as crazy as, <laughs> yeah. as your Sabres finishing the top three yeah. in the Atlantic. No, no, I, no, I, I still think they're going to be good. Um, no. The uh, Alright, uh, which team will make it to the finals of those eight that we selected? Okay, Western Conference final. My mind says Hawks and Kings. Sound like a broken record every time I say <laughs> that. I want to see the Hawks and the Sharks this year, though. Okay. And I think that uh, I think the Sharks, by beating the Kings, I think they've shown that the Kings might not be as strong as they used to be in the postseason. Uh, and that's not going too, too far back because yeah. the Kings won the Stanley Cup in 2012. They won it again in 2014. Right. So maybe the Kings get to that point, but I definitely think the Sharks can, are capable of getting it back to the Western Conference Finals. But I think the Hawks beat him at seven, so I still sound like a broken record and say the Hawks are going to win the Western Conference. All right. I'm actually going to go with um, two different teams. Oh. Um, so not gonna, the Hawks or the Kings. Or no, the not the Hawks or the Kings. Uh, I'm going to go with the Predators and the Sharks. Um, and I think the Pre- I actually, I really love the Predators, and I think they're going to make it to the Stanley Cup. Um, just, you, I feel you're obviously I'm, looking I'm at on, the EA Sports Simulator because yeah. they have they have they have uh, the Preds and the Habs I think squaring off in the finals. Yeah, yeah, I saw they that. Get the but, Preds winning, but yeah, I saw that. But I don't think the Habs are going to even make the playoffs. But yeah, um, I think I just think PK. I'm uh, I'm fully on board of the PK Subban train because I can finally like him now. So, um, but uh. So I, I'm going to say, yeah, I think the Predators are going to make it out of the West. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they did, and I'd be really happy and thrilled for yeah. the franchise if that happened. But and I feel again, like... There, there, I feel there, like are, there are teams yeah. like the Sharks and the, and the Kings and the Hawks standing in the way, and, right. and I think that's going to be pretty tough to overcome. I feel like they, always, like they always lose to the Blackhawks in the playoffs or whatever, yeah. and I, I feel like just they're just going to go like, enough's enough, we can beat this team, and then they do. So yeah, I think I'm I think gonna they're going to need to beat one of those omens in order for them to exactly. take that next leap. I think they're going to need to beat yeah. a Chicago or a LA. And I guess I guess the one question mark for the Predators is Pekka Rinier. Um I know he had his, he struggled during the season last year because I had him in my fantasy team. Um, so 
Uh, that would be the one question mark I'd say, but they also have Merrick Mazanik as his backup, who's making five hundred seventy-five grand a year, has a two-way contract, not yep. too much NHL experience, no Carter Hutton, so they don't really have a solid, proven plan B to go with if he gets hurt long term. True, true. Which um, also concerned. But um, I don't know. I, I I just I just think they're they're a good team. So yeah. Um. So you have so that means you have the Capitals and the Kings in the final, right? Capitals and Blackhawks. Oh, in the Black. Final. So Capital Blackhawks. Who do you have winning in that? Uh, yeah, I should have probably thought about that already. Yeah, once we preview the West, I guess we right, have to preview right. the final. I'm just, I'm just confirming. I'm pretty sure I picked the Capitals uh, to beat the. Well, Lightning. from what I remember, is you said the Capitals. Yeah. Yeah, Capitals in seven. Okay, so I'm going. I like the <laughs> seven game series. I think. Uh, I really want it to be Ovechkin's year so bad, but it's the Blackhawks. Um, uh, you're a boring guy. It's all right. <laughs> um, Blackhawks in seven. Okay. Blackhawks in seven. Yep. Um, I have, so then that means I have Nashville and Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Um, I feel like they're more complete. Team. Yeah. So, um, uh, Tampa in like six. Uh, I'll say <laughs> we're probably going to be both very off or something. Uh, uh, that might be that might be funny if that happens. Um, all right, then we'll go to the surprise teams or players in each division. Um, all right, do you want to? I guess do we want to go with the central? First. Yeah, um, the the central. I'm I'm looking at. Um, um, I'm gonna go with Winnipeg on this one. I okay. think I think I think we're gonna see. Yeah. I think we're gonna see a bit more progress in Winnipeg. Again, I I didn't I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but I think we're gonna see more strides. I like to see what Patrick Laine brings. I want to see um, as as well. Um, what Mark Shifley can do with his new contract, because yep. uh, I think he's ready to, to step up his game and take it to the next level. Yep. I think we've seen shades of that, but I think we're going to see it a bit more consistently. And he's actually my surprise player in this division. Actually, too. he was going to be mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have, a, I have a couple of other ones, so it's okay. Yeah, I don't expect him to get 90 points after yeah. getting 61 points in 71 games uh, last year, but I think his maturity level continues to rise, and... I'd be shocked if after scoring 29 goals last year, he doesn't get at least 30 yeah. this year. Um, he, I don't know why. He kind of reminds me a bit of Mark Stone. I don't know if anyone else sees it, but just maybe it's the way he plays or if it has something to do with their offensive abilities. But I see a lot in in Mark Shifley's style of play that just kind of reminds me of Mark Stone. You know, coming up big, it, those key uh, moments in those highlight packs he always seems to be involved in some way um and and to elevate your game in one of those toughest and one of the toughest divisions in hockey is another story altogether and it's going to be a challenge but i think that's what's going to bring out the best of mark shifley this year is playing against probably the best teams in the western conference on a nightly basis so he's my surprise player um, in the central, and Winnipeg's my surprise team in the central. Okay. Um, so, who would be your surprise player in team? Well, so, yeah. So I was going to go with Mark Shifley, but I have yeah. other players um, in the central that I would also go for. 
Um, okay. But as for surprise team in the Central, yeah, Winnipeg, I think, is going to be a team that people should look out for. But I'm going to say, I think um, I think Minnesota is going to be a team that people will, will surprise teams. Under Boudreaux, um, they also have guys like um, Mikhail, I think... So here's my surprise player is Michael Granland. Mikhail Granland, yeah, that's Granlund. a good choice actually. Uh, Charlie Coyle is another guy who mm-hmm. he's now going to be on the top line. Um, Nino Niederreiter. Um, mm-hmm. So I think all those guys are going to be pretty good, um, especially with uh, Bruce Boudreau under their wing, who's known to be like the offensive guru. So I I'd expect all those guys to have like career years in terms of offense. Um, so yeah, Michael Granlin or Charlie Coyle or Michael Granlund, um, would be my guys. Also, um, if you're talking about Winnipeg, so you said the Mark Shifley and we're going to talk about this later in the rapid fire, but I'll, we'll break it now. Pavlich, uh, is, uh, sent down to the waivers, which means that Connor Hellebuck, um, or Michael Hutchinson are going to be the goalies in Winnipeg, and I think Connor Hellebuck's going to be the goalie, the main yeah, goalie. Eventually. Um, so I'd say that I think he's going to be the guy who's going to be like the John Gibson of this year, or Matt Murray of yeah. this year, where he's yeah. going to like, he's just going to be the, that guy. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be him. Um, yeah. And I, I think I wouldn't be surprised Either if Colorado does well, especially now that they're not under Patrick Waugh's wing. So, like, all these guys, like Landis Scott, Duchesne, McKinnon, um, Soderberg, Aginla, they're all, like, you know, they all do much better without Waugh on their squad. Um, and uh, another another surprise player would be Miko Rantanen. Rantanen. Yeah, although I think he's uh, I think he's recovering from injury at this point when he gets yeah. healthy though. But yeah, when he's healthy, I think he'll be the he'll be a guy who uh, people should look out for. Um, all right, let's uh, and then for the Pacific, um, I think Edmonton will surprise people somewhat. Um, I don't think that we we already said we don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they'll they'll surprise. I think I'm going to go with Arizona. I know I talked about them a couple episodes ago, but I think Arizona is going to be pretty good, um, especially if Dylan Strom, uh, uh, who's the other guy? Um, Dylan Strom and uh, I guess Dvorak. And, um, they got a lot of young talent. Dvorak, Brandon Perlini, Jacob but, Chikrin, yeah. although he's probably not ready yet. But. Yeah, um, but I was... Yeah, Max Dumi and Duclair are probably going to be good again. So uh, I could see them doing well. Um, and as for, we are, we're also going to talk about this guy later in the rapid fire. But I think uh, Tobias Reeder is going to be a guy that people should look out for. I think he's going to surprise people. Um, yeah, and Shane Donut is a, he surprised yeah, yeah. a lot of people for a lot of years now. True. And I think Reeder had like a really good World Cup. Um, so I think that may play into why I think he's going to surprise people, but, um, I think he'll, uh, he'll come into his own this year too. So, 
Yeah, um, my surprise team in the Pacific, uh, again, uh, I've said a lot of time that the Flames are going to be a silent mm-hmm. wildcard contender. They're my surprise team. Yeah, they're good. I think like the surprise player would be Leon Dreisaitl of the Oilers. And okay. the reason I say that is because his first 37 games in the NHL, he got nine points. Probably a combination of getting used to life in the NHL and maybe a small shortage of confidence. But since his final year of junior and since Connor McDavid came on the scene in Edmonton, he's really shown what kind of player he can be for this team. His point production, I find, is more consistent, which means the scoring slump's aren't as long. And that's why you saw him score 51 points in 72 games last year. I'm hoping for at least 20 goals from Leon this year. Only got 19 last year. Only in year three, but... He's the Oilers' number two center, in my opinion, and pretty much every defender is going to be focused on their number one center, which is McDavid, and I think that creates more opportunities for Leon to do his thing. So he's in a great position to flourish, hungry for more success, and that's why I picked him as my surprise player in the Pacific. I'm kind of surprised that Nugent, like I saw that, I, I was kind of surprised that Nugent Hopkins isn't the second center in that yeah. team, but whatever. Um um, I don't know if the health had anything to do with it or what. Maybe they're maybe, uh, but, um, but he's a, he's a pretty good player on his own too. He just gets injured a lot, but yeah. Um, I uh, I also wanted to say that last week I forgot to mention of Vladislav Nemistikov um, as a surprise team as a surprise player for the Lightning. Um, okay. I think he's going to have a good year too. Um, pull of the week. Um, so we ha- we asked everyone who gets signed. There's a ton of RFAs, uh, still haven't been signed yet. So I asked who gets signed first. I'm sure at the end of this recording, all these guys will, will be signed right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, just our it's life. a lace them up jinx. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a lace them up jinx. So maybe this is in part to uh, jinx, um, to get these guys signed. Um, it would help my fantasy team a lot. Um, so, uh, so there are six RFAs who have been unsigned. Uh, Twitter only gives you four, so I try to I try my best to figure out who is likely not gonna like who do people not care so much about or aren't gonna like vote for. So uh, I left Truba and Raquel off, even though I know um, they're still unsigned. Um, and Truba probably the subject of trade rumors. Exactly. So. That's why I pick, I left Truba off. Um, so I had Goudreau, Kucherov, Lindholm, and Ristolainen. Lindholm, um, so Goudreau won with 57%. Uh, Kucherov won with, uh, had, came in second with 21%. Campus Lindholm got 14%. And Ristolainen got 8%. This just shows that no one really knows what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's true, but um, uh, also I read, according to McKenzie, it says that it looks like Kucherov is the close is close to signing with Tampa. Um, so uh, they may have won this poll. Um, if Which is kind of concerning if you're a Flames fan because I think out of this group of players, I think no one. Um, on their respective team, uh, leans more on, you know, right. This RFA individual as as the Flames rely on Johnny Hockey. I yeah. think, you know, Tampa. You know, they're yeah, they're they're great with Kucherov in the lineup, but they can do without him. 
True. I don't know how the Flames could do without Johnny Gaudreau, right. and I, I think it would be a serious dent yeah. to their wild card contention yeah. uh, aspirations if if Johnny Hockey and this contract situation dragged on for months and months and months. True. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I don't. Well, although we didn't really talk about them in our preview, but um, Sam Bennett and uh, Matthew Kachuk are likely going to replace Goudreau. So, um, so those guys could surprise as well. But yeah, um, that is a good point. Goudreau means more to the Flames than Kucherov means to the Lightning, just based on. Goudreau is by far their best player, and Kucherov's like probably their second best player. They have um, other guys that can pick up the slack, yeah, and Kucherov's yeah. not there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I feel like Lindholm's like an underrated defenseman. Um, he's yeah. pretty good. He's a pretty good defenseman. So I feel like the Ducks are gonna miss him, especially with uh, um, uh, 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 the coach, the new coach. Um, Carlisle. Carlisle, yeah. I don't know why I blinked on his name. Um, his system doesn't rely on defense, really. So uh, that might be an issue um, if he doesn't get signed. Um, and uh, and Ristolainen, I, I, apparently he's still, he's like in training camp. He's not, he's the only one who's not holding out. Yeah. Which is kind of a strange move. Like if I were... I, uh, that's probably why I'll, yeah. you know... Zero to eight percent of uh, the people polled uh, <laughs> yeah. said Ristolainen would would uh, would be the first yeah. to be re-signed because I think he's right. you know based on what we've heard you know it, the fact that you know you're still practicing with the team you're not holding out obviously means you want to be there right but I mean I feel like if I like I, I I don't I understand why players hold out but like why don't you hold out if you're if you're not going to sign a contract why are you even playing why. You know, what? what's the point of, like, you don't have any leverage then? At the same time, it's a breath of fresh air to hockey fans because it, it, it kind of shows that, it, it kind of shows that... Um, it's not all about money. You're, 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 you're not isolating yourself from the team entirely, you know? Yeah, I guess, but at the same time, you're not, like, you don't have leverage over the man, general manager for, like, then why are they even in a in a strife to begin with if if he's playing, you know? It's well, like, yeah, then, does then he again, really care about if, the money? Like, you know, it's then, like... And then again, what happens if you get hurt in practice, too? Yeah. Or, yeah, that, too. Or, like, why... Then why isn't he signed if he's in training camp? That's why what I don't get. Yeah, that's true. I, I just don't see it often. I, I kind of find it refreshing well, to see I, it. I, I get that. I get that perspective, too. But I'm, I'm just saying, I, I just don't yeah. understand it at the same time. Um... Yeah, so we just talked about Crosby being concussed. It's sad. Um, we don't know. They don't know the timetable yet. Um, I'm sure when this podcast released, you will know. Um, if he, if he's out long term, I mean, I think the Penguins will be fine without him because um, they do have Malkin and they have the HBK line now. But mm-hmm. um, it's still sad because Crosby's probably the best player in our generation right now. So yeah. um, it's sad to that he's. And he has concussion history too, so he could be out um, for a lot. This could have an effect on him for a long time. Um, rapid fire. Uh, so the big news was this trade that happened. Uh, Neil Yakupov, uh 
had been rumored earlier in the week to go to the Blackhawks, but then the Blues came up from, uh, I don't know, like kind of like a sneak attack, I guess, um, yeah. and uh, got him and snagged him for Zach Pochiro and, and a conditional third. Um, I'm not sure what the condition is. I'm going to actually try to look this up, but um, the... Uh, I mean, you can go with what your thoughts are on the trade while I look this up. Yeah, well, this prospect, Zach Pachiro, um prospect that Oilers got for Yakupov, compiled 27 goals and 66 points in 63 games with the WHL's Prince George Cougars in 2013-2014. Also got 123 penalty minutes that season, so huh. he's not afraid to mix it up with guys either. So maybe they're looking for you know, a guy that can you know, contribute here and there offensively, but also isn't you know, afraid to push guys around. And I think, you know, the acquisition with Lucic as well in the offseason, I think they're trying to get a bit more grit into their lineup and and not worried about so much skill like the one Yakupov provides. And he's been a hot and cold player. Um, it should also be noted his birthday was on October 6th, the day before the trade. Well. So if they really wanted to burn the bridge, they could have they could have put the deal on his birthday, but they didn't. Um also, it should be noted that this isn't the first time the Oilers have traded with St. Louis. A few years ago, they dealt Magnus Pajarvi, another, form, another former first-round pick. Uh, they traded him to St. Louis in July of 2013. He's still there for a guy named David Perron, who has bounced around a couple of teams since. Um, yeah, Niall's best season, lockout-shortened campaign 2012-2013, played in 48 games, scored 17 goals, and finished with 31 points. Since then, he's played in 206 NHL games. He has 37 goals during that stretch in just 8 and 60 games yeah. last year. Um, I, the most, glaring, the to... most glaring stat has been his plus minus. Year 2, minus 33. Yeah. Year 3, minus 35. Last year, slightly better, but still a minus 16. And I think Tom McClellan summarized it nicely. It's a change of scenery for him, and it's good for us as much as as it is for Nail. So, um, sure. I don't think uh, either side is complaining about this trade. I think it's sure. going to be it's yeah. it's going to be better. And and this here is an interesting stat. I know it's OHL comparison, but his 16 power play goals over his first four NHL seasons are the same to the amount of power play goals he scored in his first year of junior. Yeah. Uh, so, so I um. So I just found the condition, an old um, condition here. So, uh, yep. so the conditional draft pick is it's a third round of 2017, um, but if Yakupov scores 15 goals this season, that turns into a second rounder in 2018. In 2017 or 18? 18. Ah. Um, but yeah, I, I like what you said. I think what happens if he scores 30 goals? Well, then it's still a 2018 second round pick. <laughs> I mean, um, it's yeah, that is a good point though. I mean, I think this is like, so at, when I first heard this news, I was like, just thinking like, like, cause like I've been sort of kind of defensive on Chirelli, um, moves. I mean, like. The hit, the Hall Larson one, I was questioned, was questionable for me. But like, I could like, I kind of wanted Trelli to stay with the Bruins for at least one more year, just because he won a cup, he deserves that much. And then 
the Sagan one, I was like, well, he won a cup. He deserves some leeway for that. Um, and then, like, you know, and then the Taylor Hall-Larson trade was like, all right, I, I can understand it, but, like, you know, it's still not a great pick. So I was like, it was more of a questionable move for, for me. And then this one, I was just like, you couldn't get more for Yakupov. And then when I think about it, like, and then when I'm I like... I think that's the best they could have done. Yeah, and, and then when I think about it, I was just like, oh, yeah, I guess Yakupov's stock really did fall down. Um, and, yeah, I know he's a first overall pick. Um, he wasn't a first overall pick before. Um, but, like, you can't really, like... But, like, you know, as you mentioned, he has bad plus minuses. He's not great defensively. Um, and he didn't really improve that much. So I guess it makes sense that um, the blue, like, that he didn't go for that much. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I turned around on this trade. I think he, this, this is a, a good trade. I think, I kind of, I, I hope that Yakupov actually uh, turns it around, though, this year. Um, yeah. I think, and as I mentioned um, in the Blues preview, or in our preview, uh, this episode, um, that the Blues don't really have a forward, a lot of forward depth, and I think, like, if Yakupov does well, it's, it's gonna be, um, you know, that, that will definitely increase the Blues' chances in the future, um, especially when, now they have a Russian connection with Yakupov and Tarasenko, so, um, I don't know, I could see this working out for them. Um, yeah, we'll and, he, and, he's, and he says he welcomes the challenge to, yeah. to play for the team that's always in the playoffs and yeah, always yeah. You know, I, I saw that, but then he also, like, I thought that was, like, a shot by Yakupov. But then it might he, have been a slight jab, yeah. But then he, but, uh, I think he tweeted something just saying that he he thanked the fans. Yeah, yeah, and, he, yeah he um, thanked the fans, and I didn't see actually that part of the towards the Oilers, so he, he might he said, thank you to the Edmonton Oilers for bringing me into the NHL and the great fans of Edmonton. You always made me feel welcome in your great city. Yeah, so, um, and then he just retweeted what Jim Matheson said. He said, uh, tweeted, um, he said, I like Yakupov, great in community. He'd go out of his way to help the less fortunate. Still remember him buying meals for a homeless fellow. Yeah, so, yeah, you did a lot of that yeah, stuff. That's what, and that's that's what you like it to see yeah. from from the players. I I, so, I I think he he was probably he, he was probably disappointed that he he didn't really get to achieve more during his time with the Oilers and probably yeah. a bit buttered at the time that the trade happened. But I think looking back, I think this is going to be better for him. Yeah, I agree. I think it's um yeah, I think it it might work out for them. Um but we'll see. I mean, I don't know if it, I took it kind of like that quote where he was saying that it's nice to be on a successful team. I took that more as like him just being honest. It's like, yeah, when he was on the Oilers, they weren't successful. Oh, yeah. And the Blues were, you know, the Blues did make the playoffs. So, um, so in a way, he is being honest, but um, it is still a little like, I don't know. <laughs> you may have... It may be a weird personality issue, but at the same time, when you look at his Twitter, um, you know, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of, it says like, oh, okay, that's what he's actually like. He's probably, he probably didn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Speaking of Euler news, um, Chris Russell, one year to Oilers for $3.1 million. I know a lot of people, especially the advanced stats people, don't like Chris Russell. It is kind of surprising that he got signed this late in the, in the offseason. Um, but uh, he is a good uh, shot blocker, um, so maybe this is something that the Oilers need um, in terms of, I don't know, He's we'll also see. from he's also from Alberta. Yep. Um, they have eight point three million dollars in cap space, by the way. Uh, even with this signing, right? Um, and I think that this was partly why they treated Yakupov in the beginning, so that they could sign Chris Russell. Yeah, and you know, it, yeah, his la- nineteen points last year were a far cry from the thirty four points he got in, um, in 2014, 2015. It should be noted when Giordano got hurt. That's kind of that's kind of what led to Russell's second half emergence. Right. He tallied 14 points in 20 games after the Giordano injury, including three of his four goals on the year. Yep. So if he's in a top four role for the Oilers this year, it might not be the best thing for Edmonton, but I don't think it's the worst thing for them right now because he he seems to, uh, when he seems to get an added role and not a depth role, I think that's when you really see him step up his game a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, McDavid is the captain, um, Lucic, R&H, or Nuge, and Eberle are the alternates. Um, I thought this would, they would have, we all knew McDavid was going to be the captain, but it was just yeah, a matter of when, like the last yeah, it was just a matter of when. I'm kind of surprised it was the, this offseason, I thought it was going to be next, next year, but, um, McDavid's the captain, so... Yeah, I was I was hearing from some of the other sports yep. beat writers before da- Taylor Hall was traded in the exit interviews. He he said Connor McDavid has emerged as the leader of our locker room, and yep. when Milan Lucic comes in, he says, "I came here because I want to play with Connor McDavid right. on the same team." Yeah, uh, putting the C on Connor McDavid's chest. You know, they have had a lot of questionable decisions. Gretzky trade to L.A. Yep. Hall for Larson. Reinhardt for Matt Barzell and Mitchell Stevens, who's now in Tampa Bay. The Oilers' octane cheerleading team that only lasted six years. Their new mascot that looks creepy as hell to me that they just (laughs) unveiled. Putting the C on his jersey is probably, besides doing the same to Wayne Gretzky in the 1980s, probably the second, uh, probably the second thanks cap and obvious decision they could have made. It it didn't take much effort, and I think when Taylor Hall got traded... Because in my opinion, if it wasn't Connor McDavid getting the captaincy, it was Taylor Hall. Right. It, in my opinion, the day that Taylor Hall got traded, everyone thought, okay, McDavid's the captain. Right. Just make it official. He's the guy. True. And now he is. And um, uh, I think I think the Oilers are really looking good under his leadership. Yeah. And I like the fact they gave Lucic the A because was... he's won a cup. He's got some experience. He's <laughs> been there. He's done that. And he can help out Connor when he needs a fight. I was actually so going really... to say that was – that's probably the more surprising thing of this news is that Lucic got the A. Um, <laughs> just be, like, yeah, and you're right because he is. Um, he has won a cup, and he has he has he, you know he has this veteran leadership stuff. But like, it's just it's just the way he plays isn't very leadershipy. But yeah, uh, <laughs> so but. Um, Good for I like Jordan Eberle getting the honor, yep. too, because at the World Junior Championships, no one scored more clutch goals yep. that I can remember than Jordan Eberle did. Yep. So uh, he, he deserves the A as well. Because and and Nuge does, too. Um, so maybe that 
that means that Nuge is going to be a second line guy um, if he gets the alternate. But are you a bit surprised that RNH got one of the assistants though? Well, I was more—I was actually more surprised that Lucic got the A, just because he hasn't even played in an Oiler uniform yet. But um, you know, not really. Um, I think he's—you know—he is what he is now. Their he is now their second first overall team player on their team. Um, so, I mean, it's not that surprising. I wouldn't say. Um, I just don't. I just don't know if he's if he's really proven that much over an extended period of time to I really know, earn just, the assistant captaincy. But then again, Lucic hasn't played a regular right. season game in Edmonton, so that, that, that was the other reason why I thought it was weird that they had Lucic as the alternate. But like like you said, that he is a veteran. He does bring the veteran mentality and stuff and presence. And um, you know, he was uh, he did he did win a cup, but. And he's been through know. the winning and the losing part too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. But uh, and I think I think Iron Age, he's just been injured a lot throughout his career. So, yeah. but like when he's healthy, he's pretty good. So um, I think that segues nicely to the yeah. batch of injuries that we're going to look at now. Exactly. <laughs> well, I was. Well, I actually we have one more captain announcement, but oh, oh yeah. right, yeah, but um. That's- but you just mentioned that when Hall left the team, you were saying that everyone knew it was going to be McDavid who was going to be the captain. But um, Adam Ference was the uh, Andrew Ference was the uh, captain at that time. Um, it was once he retired. Um, did uh, yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah, I think he was. I I don't know if they stripped him of the captaincy mid-season or if it was after the season. Well, at some point they stripped him of his captaincy. Oh. No, because I thought Ference, Ference was injured for most of the year, yeah, and then he was. No. and then he retired, and so I think it's like once he retired, then they're like, okay, McDavid's gonna be the next captain. Um, Derek McKenzie, Florida is now the Florida Panthers captain. Um, he, if in case you haven't heard of him, um, he's the fourth line center for the Florida Panthers. Um, thirty-five years old. Thirty-five years old. Um, I was going to look at how many years he has left, but, um, Aaron Ekblad and, um, Juicy Jokinen, Jokinen are the uh, alternate captains. It would have been funny if they made Yager the, ca- the alternate uh, captain. Apparently he didn't get a letter because he doesn't want the added responsibility and he just wants to play his game. I no, think if, if he wanted it, they probably would have given him one. True. Uh, McKenzie has three years left, but he is 35 years old. As uh, yeah, and his but, best year was in 2010-2011 yeah. with Columbus when he scored nine yep. goals and 23 points. And I think it, I think this is uh, like you were saying. I think the, the Florida Panthers are doing the opposite of the what the Oilers are doing because I think we all know that Ekblad's going to be the captain eventually. Yeah, um, I, I think they, they what they did but, was I think what Edmonton did a couple of years ago when they named Andrew Ference the captain. Right. That's buy more time for the young guys to prove themselves, right. and then find out who your long term captain is, and but then I, name him captain when he's But right. I think we already know that Ekblad's going to be the captain. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it'll either be Ekblad, Huberdeau, or Barkov. But yeah, I think Ekblad's in the running right now. Yep. Speaking of Huberdeau. Um, he appears yeah, to have yeah, but it should yeah. be mentioned. This is probably the only piece of good news that came Florida's way yeah. this week because they got two really, really, right. 
really yeah. do- heavy doses of bad news. Exactly. Uh, Huberto appears to have injured his left leg. He's going to be out for three to four months. Um, yeah, the replay pretty much describes it all. Yeah, it's uh, sad news. Um, he's one of their best players. Yeah, um, battling with Sergei Kalinabar in the net, inadvertent skate to the back of his leg, hobbling around yeah. the ice a few seconds afterwards, helped to the dressing room yeah. by a few of his teammates. Um, but yeah, so it's, and, and my surprise and my surprise season for Huberto, uh, where I thought he was gonna really make a statement. Yeah, that's probably dead <laughs> in the water right now. Well, I mean, he still can make a statement. Just yeah, he in could three still or get months. sixty points in like forty yeah. or forty-five games played. I mean, McDavid got <laughs> no like big deal. He could do that. Yeah. Um, you could probably, I don't know, you can, I mean, it's obviously unfortunate, but like, you know, you kind of need him when, you know, late in the season, which is when he'll be healthy again. So, yeah. And you know, these fluke injuries kind of happen sometimes. And, you know, I think this is really going to, again, like I said, you know, when you're faced with an injury, it really tests your character and your resolve. Exactly. I think he'll probably come back stronger than he was before the injury, but True. it's just, it's just really sucky for a Florida team that you know they have all these expectations, yep. you know, to see what they've got, and then they lose a guy like Huberto in right. the last preseason game. That's a real <laughs> punch to the face. Yep. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Bukestag, Nick Bukestag, another one of their young good players, uh, he breaks their hand. He breaks his hand. He's out four weeks. So now yeah, was, cra- crashed into the Dallas yeah. Stars net during a preseason game Tuesday, broke his hand on the play, yep. uh, at least missed the first month. Um, been a minus player in each of his first four NHL campaigns, dropped to the third line at one point last year. But in year two, he scored 24 goals and 43 points. So he can be a valuable contributor to this team when he's on his game. And now that Huberto is hurt, they could probably use a guy like Nick Bustag right about right. now. Yeah, I don't know. I guess... Jokinen and Trocek and all those guys are going to have Riley to step Smith, up. Smith, yeah, they're really going to be asked to live up to those dollar signs exactly. they're giving them right now. Yeah. Uh, Jake Allen may be out. Uh, we don't know exactly how long, but he's he's day-to-day for the moment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it doesn't sound like uh, Ken Hitchcock is phased because they yeah. brought in Carter Hutton, uh, and he'll become their go-to guy until Allen is healthy. Yep. Um, Hutton posted a GAA of 2.05 and a 9.30 state percentage in five preseason appearances, despite what the average 2-2-1 record says. Yep. Uh, and when he filled in for Pecorino in 2012-2013, when he was out long-term, and he was on my fantasy team that year, by the way, and I drafted him second overall. Yep. Uh, nevertheless, Carter Hutton did pretty well. He went 20-11-4 while posting a respectable 2.62 goals against average Ken Hitchcock described him as the best guy in training camp for us. So that's re- that's somewhat reassuring if Allen uh, misses a week or two weeks that they have a guy like Carter, uh, Carter Hutton to go to. But if he gets hurt, then you have Jordan Bennington and Phoenix Copley. True. So. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, not great. Um, a lot of people were claimed on uh, put on waivers uh, today. Um, they're probably, who knows who's going to claim them tomorrow. Uh, yeah, Pavlik, here, here's an interesting... Well, I was going to mention uh, Andre Pavlich and yeah. P.A. Parento are the two notable ones who were put on waivers. Yeah, on uh, on Monday, yes. Yep. But uh, it, I think Nashville could be an early... Um, if if Pavlik uh, doesn't clear waivers and someone picks him up, I see Nashville because they have $6 million in cap space. Pavlik's yeah. contract is like $4.125 million or something like that. They can afford to keep him, 
uh, for for this season. He's only got a year left on his deal, I believe. And considering their backup is Merrick Mazanik, who is a two, who has a two way deal, and you only pay him yeah. five hundred seventy five grand, you can send him to the minors without worry that someone is going to claim him. True. So um, Nashville or, has some flexibility here, and they need an experienced guy behind Pecorine. True. So um, I think Pavlik would be a decent ad for them. Or since we just talked about the Blues and their goaltending issues, they could uh, the Blues could be another one who could uh, claim him. <laughs> I don't know if they have the cap space to do it though. Oh, yeah, good point. I don't think they. I don't think they need a guy like Pavlik. If they're really desperate, then maybe. But no, that is a good point though. I forgot about the cap space stuff. Um, yeah, San Jose yeah. would also. Uh, they also would probably need a, a decent backup for Martin Jones, but they don't even have a, like a million in cap space <laughs> according to general managers. Sure. So yeah. I don't think they could afford them either. Uh, Parento is an interesting move to be put to waivers, considering the. Uh, the Islanders signed him, um, so I don't know. I think a lot of people draft him in the middle rounds of, right. of my fantasy uh, of fantasy hockey leagues. I know for sure that was the case in mine. So yep. they're probably peeved that they could have drafted someone else instead. They got yep. parent of who's now on waivers. Uh, Tobias Ryder, uh, Coyotes re-signed him for two million uh, for two years, um, or two million annual average value uh, for two years. Um, he was my surprise. He's my surprise pick, so I think he's going to be good. Um, and this is not a bad deal for that, um, considering um, it's not that much. I think it. I think it's also a good sign for the young guys that they want to stay committed to the group that they have. They re-sign Connor Murphy and Mike Stone. Yep. Connor Murphy to a six-year deal uh, in the off-season, and right. now they get uh, Tobias Reader for another two years. This is a guy who, in his first year in the league, scored thirteen goals. 14 in his second year last year and his point totals went from 21 in year one to 37 in year two the occasional face-off he's gotten better as well so again a good stepping stone for a team that i hope to see a lot more stepping stones uh uh over the course of this year so Mm -hmm. uh, again it's it's just the little things that arizona is doing right yep um we go from a current coyote to a former coyote Lori Korpakovsky uh, yep. gets signed by the Stars for one year for one million. Um, of course, Good the Stars. Ad. Yeah, of course, the Stars add forwards um, when they really need defensemen. But um, Korpakovsky, you know, it could they could turn definitely. one of them into a defenseman. It happened yeah. with Brett Burns. Yeah, Korpakovsky is a good defenseman, defensive forward. But yeah, that could that could happen. That'd be funny. But um, it is a good it's a good depth ad for them. I heard that. As I just said, mentioned, he is a defensive forward kind of guy, so um, could be a good ad for them. Um, Carolina claims Martin Furk off of waivers from Detroit. The only reason why I added this was because a lot of teams were interested in this guy, and it is kind of rare for Detroit to make a mistake like this, um, it seems like, because they could have just, you know, treated Martin Furk if there was that much interest for him. But, um, no, Carolina claims him because they were... Um, a top priority in um in the waiver wire. So they get Martin Furk. Who knows if he's even going to make the pro roster, but um, they have Martin Furk. They also have Jakob Nakladl, who yep. they signed to a one-year deal, played with the Calgary Flames last year. Uh, John Wilson suspended for the rest of the preseason and one regular season game. So I guess for your eyes, it's, it's really just one regular season game. Um, 
Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the NHL shot shot the puck wide on this. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the play, he hits Ty Ratty, he launched himself into Ty Ratty, and he yeah. made contact with Ty Ratty's head. Not a hockey hit, not acceptable in this league or in any league, and a handful of preseason games plus a regular season game is absolute chump change. And again, I'm all about sending a message here. And who says the Hawks would play a regular like Nicholas Jalmerson in any, let alone every single one of those preseason games they suspended him for? Make him sit in the press box on a day where the team really needs him, not on a day when the team is still under construction and he doesn't really need his, and they don't really need his services regardless of his eligibility. Uh, That's a good point. Again, they missed their mark. That's a good point. Um, And I think... uh... It's funny, like, too, because, well, not funny, but um, Andrew Shaw was just suspended for the rest of the preseason. Yeah. Um, he didn't get a regular season game. So, um, yeah, it is kind of strange to suspend players for a preseason game. Having said that, we're going to go to Radko Gudes. Um, so he uh, he was not, he had two questionable hits. One, he, uh, he, bo- he had a boarding penalty against Jimmy VC. Um, although it's it looked on the replay, it looked like just VC made a mistake. Um, and he ended up scoring a goal later in the game, VC. So, um, it turns out that he wasn't going to be suspended for that. But then, uh, Gudis, uh, hit, uh, Austin Zarniak, who actually had a pretty decent preseason game. Um, he's going to, Zarniak's going to be out for a week at least. Um, but even though he came back to play in the game, yeah. which was surprising. Yeah, that is surprising too. But, uh, uh, Gudis, as you, I think you were telling me that he, uh, they had a hearing for Gudis. In person hearing, which he waived. Which he waived, which I didn't even realize you could do because I thought it was like mandatory, but, um, yeah, so Gudis, um, I don't know. It's funny when we were talking about this, uh, a lot when we were doing the Las Vegas expansion draft um, episode, I was like mentioning like, oh yeah, Gudis has been a good player because he hasn't been like that dirty player that we knew him to be, and now he's you know he has two questionable hits um, in, in, two in a week. In a week, yeah. So um, I don't know. Maybe he is back to that <coughs> to his old ways. <coughs> Yeah, I'll let you get out the coughing sound. So I'm about to go on a rant again on Racco Gouda. <laughs> go ahead. That, that boarding penalty he took on Austin Zarnick is probably going to lead to a suspension. And it should. Apparently, waving an in-person hearing, that means at least five games. And he should need more than that. Because by the time Gudis arrives, Zarnick has already moved the puck. Here comes half a second to a full second after Zarnick passes the puck. And Zarnick, he turns his head... And as he's turning his head, that's when Gudis makes contact with his head and makes the hit. He, and so he pretty much catches him on the blind side. Yeah. And so how big the sus- should the suspension be? I'd say 10 to 15 games. And I've said it before, and I said it before with Gudis, in order to make significant changes and really send a message and really you know, tell players, this is what you can do, this is what you can do. You need to make an example out of somebody. You can't just wait until someone like Steve Downey hits Dean McCammon. Dean McCammon is missing right. a couple of weeks and, you know, isn't getting up off the ice to say, okay, that warrants a 20-game suspension. You need to send a message before stuff like that happens, and the NHL better get it right this time 
because the last time they only gave Ratko Gudis three games. You also look at his reputation. I YouTubed Ratko Gudis questionable hits or something like that. I see a hit to the head on Mika Zibanejad, who was with the Sens at the time. Bobby Farnham, who was with New Jersey at the time, he caught him off guard too. And then there were these two plays. So he's got a track record. They haven't dropped the hammer on Rako Gudis. This is the perfect time to do so. And if it gets reduced, then it gets reduced. But at least send a message that you're not going to tolerate this stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think those those two plays look pretty dirty to me. And I think they will suspend him. But it's just how long. I don't know. Yeah, I could see them doing I'm 15 games. 10 to 15, but I don't see I don't, 10 I don't, to 15. I don't think they're going to suspend him 10 to 15 games. Maybe five games, but... We'll see. It'll be at least five games. Yeah. I believe that's the protocol. So, but um, it's it's also putting the team in a bad spot because Delzato's out four to five weeks. Brandon Manning yeah. hasn't skated, still recovering from a shoulder injury. So well, this yeah. is a team that needs a guy like True. Rako Gudis not doing stupid things. You know he's oh yeah he's he is on the Flyers. I thought for some reason I thought he was on the Lightning. <laughs> he was. Yeah. And I think I think they traded him to the yeah. Flyers for the Braden Coburn deal. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Well, speaking of the Flyers, uh, Provorov and or uh, Hextel just said that Provorov and Konechny are both going to be on the team full time, full season already, even before they played uh, the their nine games. So that's yeah, good that uh, that makes uh, Ottawa 67's GM and head coach Jeff Brown pretty pretty happy, considering he got that boatload of return when he traded Konechny <laughs> to Sarnia yep. last year. He got a boatload of prospects and two. A right. regular OHLers, and the Konechny plays half a season, and yep. his OHL career is over. So, so the fly, but like the reason why I mentioned that was just because of Provorov, not just because. Well, of yeah, Provorov uh, and Konechny—they're yeah. probably one, uh, one and two, probably their best top two prospects. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, in their system but right I now. was just going to say that Provorov and Ghost Bear are going to have to uh, do a lot because if Gudas gets suspended for a lot, a lot of time, which he probably will. Uh, Barrett Jackman, Dan Boyle, and Cody Hodgkins all retire, um, within this week. Um, Cody Hodgkin had that, um, didn't he have that trade with, like, didn't they have that trade with, like, Cody Hodgkin for Zach Cassian, right? Yeah, I think and that's what it was, won, yeah. And neither yeah. team really won that trade, um, the Canucks or the Sabres. Uh, Dan Boyle is one of those guys, um, he's, he won a cup in the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we'll get to in a second. Um, Undrafted defenseman. He went to, he was also on the, sh- he also retired as a shark, which was kind of a strange move. Huh. Um, and he also played for the Rangers for a bit too. He had like a scuffle with the Rangers media for a bit. Yeah, I remember um, that was his, that actually yeah. turns out to be a swan song with Brooksy. Yeah. I'm sure Taurus loved uh, listening funny, to that. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, Barrett Jackman, I don't know, he's always been a, like a good, def- decent defenseman. He's never like, you know, like scary, I guess. But yeah, um, um, I'm just going to quickly rhyme off my thoughts, if you don't mind. Um, like, I, I noticed that Dan Boyle, for a guy who wasn't drafted by an NHL team, the fact he scored 50-plus points in an NHL season six different times yeah. Did so in three of his six years with Tampa Bay and in each of his first three years with the Sharks. Yeah. Over 605 point, uh, over 600 points, over 1,000 games played. In my opinion, he's the Martin St. Louis of NHL defensemen. Okay. Uh, wow. You know, a guy who 
Not so, too many people expected to make it big, but did prove them wrong so, and, and actually turned into a very successful NHL career. So do you think and, he's... And, and uh, well, I know we'll get to St. Louis in a second because he's in the rapid fire too. Yep. Um, Cody Hodgson is probably the most... It's probably the most sad and the most disappointing news because he retires at the age of 26. Yeah, yeah. Um, in his first two to three NHL years... He, well, it, he okay, wasn't okay. the healthiest, and his production suffered greatly over his final two. Only compiled nine goals and 21 points in 117 games. And it's also sad because in the 2009 World Juniors, he tallied 16 points in just six games. So he had a ton of potential. And the fact that he's coaching youth hockey in Nashville at least kind of warms my heart a little bit because yeah. now he's thinking of others, not just himself and his other career, you know, he wants, he still wants to make a difference in the game of hockey, but I just wish he, he, he could have stayed in the NHL a little bit longer. Barrett Jackman is interesting because, uh, he spent 12 of his 13 years with the blues and it's just the amount of guys that were on hand, um, during his retirement speech, Al McKinnis, Wayne Gretzky, Bernie Federico, yeah. um, Chris Pronger. Yeah. He's been uh, in the Al league for a while. McInnes, Al McKinnis said that Jackman didn't need any grooming because he already had the it factor. Yep. And Chris Pronger agreed with it. When you hear guys like Al McKinnis and Chris Pronger praise what you've done and you don't have Hall of Fame numbers, that kind of shows what how, how much of a character guy that Barrett Jackman is. And I right. think the NHL is really going to miss him. Uh, when you were talking about Dan Boyle, um, do you think uh, Boyle is going to be a Hall of Famer? I think his number is going to be retired by Tampa, but I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, retiring in Tampa, uh, Martin St. Louis' number is going to be retired in uh, Tampa, um, 26. Yep. Um, so, yeah, against his yeah. Uh, against uh, Tampa Bay's former coach, John Tortorella, right. and the Blue Jackets, assuming he's still coaching them on January 13th, yeah, that's all-time fitting. leading scorer won a Stanley Cup in 04. Yep. Um, the interesting thing is, is that when I was reading on that, was that like in uh, St. Louis' press release, he like he thanked the Tampa Bay organization. He thanked pretty much everyone except for Martin Saint, uh, uh, Steve Yzerman. <laughs> well, um, so in, in, still... in fairness to Stevie Y, yeah. uh, he wasn't. He was in the NHL playing with the Red Wings when they gave, when Martin St. Louis got his shot yep. to excel in Tampa Bay. So he wasn't really a part of, of that, right. that monument. I don't know if it's, if, you know, if everything with Stevie Y is still water under the bridge yet, but yep. I, he's right to thank the Tampa Bay lightning ownership because prior to that, he was just struggling to, to make a roster. Right. And to be the franchise's leading scorer is, is really something that, you know, he's the little guy who gets things done. And, and Martin St. Louis is just a class act, that a, a class act, a class yeah. example that anyone can make the NHL. Yeah, it's just, it was more just the, like, the way that it, it ended with him in Tampa is just, yeah. it's just kind of sad. But, like, at least he is, like, at least Tampa's doing this now. And um, it's, like, good that, I mean, like any Tampa fan who hates Martin St. Louis is kind of now a little crazy <laughs> if if you yeah. think if you if you don't like Martin St. Louis. Um 
There's there's a bit of sadness yeah. when Alfie left too, and and just how yeah. quickly they've been able to 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 mend True. things. And now he's yeah he's getting his number retired. Now too. he's in an ownership role and a front office role, and now he's going to have his number retired. Yes. Also, uh, I think about a couple of weeks before St. Louis gets his number on her. True. Yeah, I was about to say I could see like St. Louis getting in a front office role there, but then I was just thinking, well, the Yzerman's there, so yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but yeah, we did mention we do we are running long on time. We're at like um, an As hour always. twenty. Um, but uh, Le Cavier, uh, Brad Richards, Dan Boyle, all retired in the same um, off season. Um, any of those guys getting retired by Tampa? I think Le Cavalier because he was probably yep. the their first first overall pick. Like, and uh, he was on that 2004 Stanley Cup winning team. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I think I think Boyle and Le Cavalier are probably going to get their numbers retired. Just, just yeah, yeah. I think they were they were they were kind of like the big three. Other than St. Louis, Boyle and Le Cavalier, they they really were an instrumental. Yeah, part I could see that. I could, I could also see Brad Richards, although I feel like he's more known for like the Rangers thing. Than... I think you'll see him when they honor the team itself, but I yeah. don't know if he's gonna have his number retired. Okay. Um. So the I guess the Lightning and the Rangers have a bit of a um. Not really a duel, but they have a kind of a, um, I don't know, companionship, yes. I guess. Uh, so the Rangers prospect, Igor Shestyorkin, four straight KHL shutouts, 19 minutes away from the KHL shutout record. By the time you're listening to this, he may have already broke it. Um, or it will probably be snapped or because be we snapped. jinxed it. <laughs> or we jinxed it, yeah. Um, Either way, this is promising news for the Rangers yep. because... Um, Eight consecutive wins, eleven, eleven. Uh, oh, sorry, eleven, one and one record. Uh, and the fact again, nineteen minutes and eight seconds. That's all he needs to break the shutout streak, which was actually yeah. set last year by uh, Alexi Murgin. Uh And even if he doesn't make history for a guy who's twenty years old, that's pretty impressive. True. Uh, also, a fourth round pick by the Rangers. They didn't get this guy in the first round. They got him in the fourth. Well, that's the same with uh, Lundqvist. Lundqvist was a fifth round pick. I yeah. Think. So a real diamond in the rough. Yeah. A one point six six GAA, nine forty two C yeah, percentage, and five. It five had to shutouts. be the Rangers. <laughs> five <laughs> shutouts as well at yeah, this stage be... in the season, yeah. and the KHL record is thirteen. He's almost halfway there, and and that yeah. record was also set yeah. by Murigan. So uh, also should be mentioned, placer K- K- SKA St. Petersburg already broken the franchise record set by Miko Koskinen, which was two hundred and fifteen mm-hmm. minutes. And twenty seconds. So yes, yeah. Igor Shishorkin could be the next King Henrik. Um, yeah, it had to be a Rangers prospect, of course. Um. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it, I, I don't think too many people really knew of this guy. Like I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really hear of this guy until he was starting to to make waves. You know, sure. there was this North American goalie, Brandon Halverson. Everyone thought, you know, you know, is is this the guy that? They're expecting to take over for King Henrik. No, the the guy they're expecting probably will take over for King Henrik's in the KHL. This and guy in the KHL, yeah, yeah. I'm so getting again. The, like the, I feel the like the Rangers continue to yeah. get creative to fill roster spots with great players. Yep. So. Uh, that brings us to a Bruins send segment. Um, yep. Christian Erhoff uh, was offered um, express the Boston Bruins express interest according to Bob McKenzie. Let me start yep. over. 
According to Bob McKenzie, Boston expressed some interest in signing uh, Christian Ehrhoff to a uh, contract, but knowing he wouldn't be in the top six. So Ehrhoff uh, declined that and opted to go home. Um, so um, he actually did play pretty good in preseason. I, I can understand like why he wouldn't be in our top six, because uh, I guess we're trying to get like Colin Miller, Joe Morrow, um, Brandon Carlo, um, some some playing time, and if we sign air off, that would take some time away from those guys. But um, which I guess is more important in that sense. But um, yeah, it's still sad though because he did play well in our um, in our preseason. They can also go after Matt Bartowski because apparently Sens released him from his PTO. Yeah, well, so I'm not. We're not taking Matt Bartowski. Again. That's the. <laughs> You know, he's, he's actually got some goals on his NHL resume. Yeah, but you know what's funny? He, the, he, the only goal he scored in uh, in Bruins in a Bruins uniform was a playoff game. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have it, and and those don't uh, officially count in the like career goals or whatever for whatever yeah. reason. So he officially had zero goals for the Bruins. Um. I also yeah, they're, they're kicking off their season in Columbus on yeah. Thursday, according to what the schedule tells yep. you. Yeah, they do. So I assume the Sanders play this week too, or play yeah, the Austin game. Matthews. That'll be his oh, first play, test. Oh, play Toronto NHL. first. Wow. Yeah, that'll be his NHL debut against Ottawa Wednesday night. They went three, two, and two in preseason oh, yeah, yeah. play. Uh, they 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 um they made their our cuts um on. Uh, uh, geez, uh, they made they made their cuts um, at the beginning of last week. Uh, among them, Matt Bartowski again released from his PTO. Uh, Chris Drieger sent back to the minors. Um, what's what's probably the most notable is that they didn't reassign Thomas Shabbat, so it looks like he could be starting the season with the Ottawa Senators. So it'll be interesting to see what he provides. Yep. Uh, I don't know if they're going to keep him around for the nine games and then maybe send him back to junior or to the AHL, but. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's he's staying around for just a little bit longer, it's it's an interesting sign that uh, maybe the Thomas Shabbat era has begun uh, sooner than a lot of people expected, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he fares uh, in his first week of NHL duty. But um, yeah, it definitely a guy with a bright future. I just don't know if they're if they're rushing him too soon. That's that's my only yeah. concern there. Yeah. Uh, Clark MacArthur still making progress. Not sure when he'll be back yet. Um, Mark Stone is apparently healthy enough. Uh, he'll be uh, ready to go for the season opener against the Leafs. So, uh, And Craig Anderson uh, back from a personal matter, and he'll probably be getting the start against the Leafs uh, on Wednesday. So. Um, yeah, just in other Bruins news, Seth Griffith, Tyler Randall, and Timothy Schaller are, are waived, are put on waivers. Um, and it also looks like Zarniak is uh, going to stay with the team even though he's out 7 to 10 days with the concussion. Um, and also, uh, Malcolm Subban did not practice with Bruins. He's been reassigned to Providence. So, um, I guess they're not keeping him. I guess they're, I guess Kudobin's going to be our backup. So, there's that. Yeah. I also um, now now just quickly oh, Seth Griffith is he have does he have a one way or a two way? Who? Seth Griffith is he a one way or a two way? 
I think it's a two-way. Okay, so I won't. He, chances are, I won't be claimed by anybody. No, I mean, I don't. I don't expect him to be claimed by anyone. Um, but we'll see. Um, I just wanted to mention quickly uh, before we go. Um, I know this isn't a baseball podcast, but I do no. want to mention that uh, David Ortiz will likely play his last game um, tonight. Um, and, uh, By the time you hear this, uh, maybe they'll have extended it to one more night, and it could be Tuesday more. night. Or he could be Tuesday. retired, or he could be retired, or he could make it to the ALCS and play you guys, um, the Blue Jays. But um, I'm going to assume that the Red Sox are going to lose either tonight or tomorrow. Um, but either way, um, thank you, David Ortiz. You mean a lot to me in my childhood. Um, you gave me hope um, for everything in Boston sports. So. Um, he's probably the, he probably will be the greatest player I'll ever see on a, in a Red Sox uniform. So yeah, I, 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 um, I I'm going to chime in on that as well. I yep, mean, I'm a, ahead. I'm a Blue Jays fan. I'm, I'm not the biggest David Ortiz fan, you know, when he, when he plays against us, but I tip yep. my cap because he's been such a great player yep. but during a, after what happened the Boston Marathon, you know they kind of rallied the team. He, he was yep. he was always the voice when they needed a hit to break the curse. He yep. was there, a couple of big yeah, home runs true. against the Yankees. Yeah, and he he just he meant so much more than just being a member of the Red Sox, a right. great member of the community, and he made baseball fun. Yep. That's what I liked about David Ortiz. He made baseball fun. He made true. the game fun. And again, the, before he came, the Red Sox, the curse of the Bambino. Still hadn't won it in decades, and now they have three World Series by the time he retires. So, um, and you know what? If they go on a run, he might have four. We'll see. But, <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. Either way, a very successful career, and I think of his generation, he'll probably be the most remembered and respected Red Sox yep. player. He's already he's getting his number retired already next year. So yeah, they, they, they made have already announced it. No one's going to wear number thirty-four yeah. again, as it should be. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, that, that's good. That's a good point. He's probably the most clutch player we'll ever see. Um, like, I just remember, like, every time, like, during, especially during the 2013 year, where I was, like, yeah. every time he was at bat, I was, like, t- towards the late innings, I was just, like, he's gonna hit a home run. And then, yeah. like, oftentimes he did hit a home run. So, it's, like... Yeah, that, that memorable um, one, uh, the so those, Grand Slam that tied yeah. the game against Detroit, where, where you see the, yeah, exactly. the police officer just raise his hands yeah. as the ball goes over Tory Hunter. Yeah, um, like, that's like that, when I, I just remember watching that moment where it's just, like, he, because I do remember him, like, being thinking, like, I think he's going to hit a home run. It's, like, it's, it's just be, like, this is perfect David Ortiz. And then he hits a home run, and I'm like, oh my god, he hit a home run. <laughs> like, I didn't think that was going to happen, but it, it did. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll miss you, David Ortiz. But uh, we, I have uh, Mookie Betts, I have Xander Bogarts, and uh, Andrew Still Benintendi. Still Pedroia. And Pedroia, and Andrew Benintendi, and uh, Yoan Moncada to uh, help cure my pain. So, um, so long. <laughs> I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. So long until episode 48 when we talk next on the Lace Em Up podcast. Yep.